Three, two, one, here we go. Rain Man's Take Podcast. Observations on the world we live in. My take on current events and other topics of interest. Also, interviews with some really cool people. So let's get the conversation going. Everybody, it's the Rain Man. Just want to give a quick shout out to everybody watching. Thank you very much. I know you're going to find this next interview thought provoking. I enjoy spending time with people like my next guest and getting into more detail about the subject matter. And I know you appreciate that as well. So go ahead and hit the like button and subscribe. That way we can continue bringing you great content in the future. So thanks again for being part of Rain Man's Take and enjoy the interview. Hey, everybody, it's the Rain Man. I want to welcome back my guest, Kevin Russell. Kevin, how are you doing? Hey, Brian, it's great to see you. Great to talk with you again. Absolutely, really well. brother. Absolutely. So if you all remember, um, I've had Kevin on a couple times. He is the author of My Guy on the Ninth Floor, as well as um, an energy practitioner. And, and, and we'll get into that more, more deeply here in a second, because I'm sure I've, I've got that probably not exactly right. But uh, Kevin, uh, his website is radicalenlightenment.com. And I wanted to have Kevin back on today. It, it's, he has a, uh, a fascinating section in his book um, about uh, quantum entanglement theory, quantum theory, zero point theory. And uh, it's just very interesting to talk to him about it. So the reason why I wanted Kevin back on is I was just reading a book recently and they were talking about quantum physics and, you know, stuff that was way over my head, but I immediately thought of Kevin because we had talked about it in the past. So welcome back. Thank you for joining me again. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm always intrigued and interested to, to dive into kind of the more, you know, sciencey stuff, sciencey side of, of this really self-realization, self-help practice, um, because all of the foundations are, are, are with energy. It's all, all energy, frequency, and vibration. Um, and that was really kind of the foundation that clicked everything into place for me from a conceptual standpoint of understanding for myself how things connect, why things are the way they are, um, and then taking it either from that macro view or kind of seeing the details, it helped to present clearer options and clearer directions that we can go as individuals to get back to that sense of wholeness that we had in the beginning, but then the majority of us get conditioned and programmed out of that because we're enmeshed in the world. We're really part of the world. And so it's a practice of uh, not separating ourselves from the world, but shifting our perspective and our perception of our personal realities. Yeah. And, and, um, that's definitely exactly what, when I was reading this, uh, this book, that's what exactly what came to my mind. And um, so uh, the reason why, um, well, first of all, uh, my guy on the ninth floor was sort of Kevin's kind of entry into what he's doing now and, and kind of just his personal journey. Uh, but also on his website, he also has a book uh, or 
and I assume it's a smaller book than the first one, but it talks about the science of what you're doing. And so that basically kind of works right into right into yeah. what we're talking about. So talk to, talk a little bit about that book, and then we'll we'll take it from there. Yeah. So uh, it's basically the science behind energy work uh, is is the book, and it's really it's an ebook. It's I think it's maybe forty pages. Um, and it's in part an excerpt of that section that you mentioned from my guy on the ninth floor. And then we expand and expound on it a little bit more, uh, as far as, you know, how can we look at our lives through the lens of quantum entanglement, through the lens of unified field theory. Um, and it, once we kind of peel back that first layer, it starts to really, we really see how, how connected everything is from that standpoint. So if we pull all the way back, they're doing research now about uh, genetic mutation and uh, genetic mutations passing down generationally. This is something that's been you know, either thought of or at least conceptualized for probably 40, 50 years, give or take. But now they're doing, uh, I, and I think with empirical research, they're seeing up to three generations back where there are genetic markers of mutation or something going on at the genetic level that is encoded in the DNA and then it expresses itself as the, as the system grows with, with our, our younger generations, um, which is wonderful. I, I love that we're finally getting to this place of uh, understanding, recognition and reconciliation uh, really of, of all the different scientific pursuits and really bringing everything together to get a more holistic view of life. Um, in my experience, the genetic connection goes much further than three generations. Having that be a starting point is fantastic. So that's kind of the, uh, you know, oh yeah, I understand things get passed down, behaviors. Um, and they've actually seen this uh, in, in lab studies with mice as well, where they have a mouse run a course in a maze. And if it's the wrong direction, they get a little buzz or a little shock or, or a negative, uh, uh, reaction, a negative um, enforcement. Thank you, negative, negative <laughs> reinforcement. And then the, that one rat finds the correct path to the prize, to the treat. So they extract the mat, that rat once it's successfully navigated the maze, extracted from the maze. And then they go nine generations, no exposure to the maze. Nine generations from that original rat. So it's the great, 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 however many greats there are in between. And then that younger generation is placed in the maze. It runs it perfectly to the treat every single time without any error, without any default. All right, let's stop right there. So is that, because everything is energy, mm -hmm. DNA is energy. Is that what is, you are tweaking that energy in that the progenitor of that line and that that is what, that that example of DNA at that time is what gets passed on. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So so our systems, and um, I know this has been quantified with with humans, and I'm I'm extrapolating to to animals as well. But our systems, our our, our physical mind body systems, are exponentially powerful, up to twenty million bits per second from a processing standpoint. And so if we if one, if we didn't have this amazingly powerful system that we were living life through, and that system didn't have certain governors on it, certain constrictions to it, it would be really hard to function in life. The colors would be too bright, the, 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 the noise and the, 
everything going on would be too much input for our systems to, to handle. We wouldn't, as humans, we would not be able to physically drive a car because there's just too much going on without these dampeners we've got, which is a, a double-edged sword. It's good because we can do amazing things. We, we you know, fighter pilots and, and you know, helicopter pilots can, can fly these, you know, craft that probably should not be able to fly, but with <laughs> thrust and lift, we've been able to figure it out. But to be able to pilot these things, to be able to do fine, uh, you know, craftsmanship, um, we kind of, they, they, they're a benefit to us. On the flip side of that, the system is only looking for our survival and our safety at all cost. And so that's where we get into these conditioned and programmed behaviors that become energetically imprinted at the genetic level in our DNA. So if you have, uh, you know, taking it to a human example, if you've got uh, a parent who, when they are young, when they're children, they have a near drowning experience there's a higher chance through either observation because mom is going to avoid water or through that genetic material, that genetic message that comes through in the encoding when the egg and the, and the uh, sperm meet of stay the hell away from water because that fear, that, that attention, that alert has been triggered within the mom's system equating danger to water. So then that gets passed down. And so we get, we get to these expressions. I don't know why I have so much fear. I just, just I feel so fearful of all these things. There is 100% a genetic component to it because the only two natural fears humans have are falling and loud noises. Those are, those are, those are biological. Yeah. Everything else is learned or conditioned into the system. And what, what fascinates me about that is how that gets in I guess you used the analogy and uh, of the of a record. If you scratch it, yeah. it'll never play the same way yeah. again as it was originally. So, and that actually happens within the human body, within and, the human yes. thing, within the human experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so grooves on there. So, if we keep playing the same song over and over again, that one song, the grooves that create, you know, that are recorded when the when it's playing, and so it's etched into the record the grooves in that, in that channel for that song are going to get more pronounced and they're going to get bigger. And so this, is, this comes into play when we start to loop behaviors in life. So let's take that fear of water analogy. So the, the, uh, that, that mom's child is born and then he or she grows up. Let's say mom is not influencing the situation but there's that, there's that avoidance, there's that natural tendency to avoid water and the kid can't quite figure out why. The more that water is avoided, avoided in practice, the more embedded that program becomes and it strengthens. So if we flip it to relationships or interpersonal expressions, if we're in uh, an experience in life where we are maybe the oldest in the family, so we have uh, potentially more responsibility or more um, things placed on us, more expectations, what have you. And there's, there's friction between the parents. That oldest child is, will most likely have a tendency to try and keep everything together. It's okay. I, I can fix it. I can, you know, don't rock the boat. It's okay. And so then we get older and we start having relationships of our own. There's a high propensity, a high Oper high chance that those types of relationships we're going to seek out are those same, I can fix it, I can make it better expressions, even though it's not, it's not 
directed towards our parents anymore. It's directed towards more of a romantic partnership. Yeah. But it's that underlying energy that keeps us looping. And then, and then we get into these situations. Why do I always find broke? You know, I, sometimes you hear this from, from more feminine leaning uh, experiences. Why do I keep finding the broken guys? Why do I keep, uh, you know, like having these guys who, I, you know, it's like they're so awesome, but then there's just one thing and they can't get over it. It's because we're trying to recreate those loops that we experienced earlier, because that's what our system recognizes as love, even though it's not, it's not, a, it's not a love of equanimity. It's not a love of equality. It's a, it, there's a, a, a asymmetrical balance to it, but it's a, it's self-soothing in, in certain ways because it's familiar and it's known. And it, but it's and subconscious though, right? I mean, it's, it's that's all that subconscious. Sub you say that somebody's attracted to a certain type of person. Yeah. Wow. There's yeah. There, there's a huge chance that those those messages, those that that framework of of looking towards who, what, what type uh, that we're attracted to, it's most of it is embedded subconsciously in the first seven years of life. And then yeah. that's when our supercomputers are being created. We're putting all the hardware in place, putting all the yeah. all the you know programs in place and then after 7 we boot up and we run those programs and without intervention without change we will literally recreate exactly what we experience in early childhood and early life in different ways yeah. it could be that in childhood our self soothing is sucking our thumb or if we have our special blanket and then that can transform into uh, substance use alcohol abuse um, you know, like serial dating, like never committing too much to one thing. Those are comforts for the subconscious, not for us, not for us living our conscious life. They're infuriating. Yeah. We don't want these things, but we're doing the best we can with the tools that we've got to navigate this energetic life. And unfortunately, the tools that we've been getting are not energetic in nature or in origin. They are very material. They are very almost reductive because we've spent the last 150 years or so with medicine dissecting apart things. Oh, well, if you're experiencing this, this is this particular part in the brain. Oh, if you're doing you know, X, right. Y, and Z, and then you're gonna have it in this part of your system. And we see it with all the specializations that exist. You've got an ear, nose, and throat doctor. You've got an orthopedic surgeon. You've got a hip guy. You've got a knee guy. You've got, an, you've got a gastroenterologist. And it's almost like we've, we've dissected us to a place of, you know, pulling everything apart and we're kind of in the weeds with it. It's almost a forest for the trees issue. Instead of pulling back and taking more of a holistic look at, well, what are the contributing factors to whatever symptom you're experiencing, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. And that's where we come back to that quantum aspect, that energetic aspect of life, of looking at it through the lens of, you know, laws of thermodynamics where energy can't be created or destroyed, it can only change form. So if we are present for a fight with our parents when we're very little, let's say under the age of four, we're absorbing like tsunamis of energy. They're, they're, they're flooding our systems. Right. And even if we're just sitting there playing, you know, absent-mindedly on the floor, our system is recording everything that's going on, our subconscious. And so if we don't disrupt those systems, that energy is going to loop and it's going to transform. And I, I look at our system as like a net energy system. If there is excess energy buildup, that's when things start to fall apart. That's where we start to get symptomatic. 
with maybe depression or anxiety. Um, maybe our, our seasonal allergies start to flare up and become more pronounced. Maybe we get sick more often. And then if we continue to not address it, then maybe we start getting chronic conditions that we've got labels for and drugs to yeah. suppress, but no necessarily cures for. Yeah. And then say we still don't take action. Well, then we get into cellular mutation. Then we get into some ser more serious expressions like disease, like other like um, physical states of disease, like cancers. Yeah. That's where these things start to take root and take take hold. Dude, it's amazing that you're saying that because uh, the one thing that comes to my mind is they talk about PTSD and it's mm -hmm. and the analogy is it's the pot just boiled over and just blew up the lid, and just blew the lid off it. it yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hundred percent. When when I was young, um, I had I had food allergies, and I got uh, if anybody has allergies and you remember the 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 prick test where they they, they take the uh, the essence or the distilled down um, you know uh, tincture of whatever the thing is, and they give you pricks on your arm. I looked like a I looked like a checkerboard. It, I was tested from here to kingdom come, and that was the exact analogy where the analogy I got was a rain barrel. So you're gonna be able to function just fine until you get to a point of excess and then your rain barrel starts to overflow and that's where you start to get symptomatic or that's where that PTSD you know, kind of erupts yeah. and, and expresses itself. And so yeah. you're, you're, you're talking about, in this case, the negative energy of the parents into the, into the child. As they get older, if they don't do, if they don't stop that loop, that loop keeps going and it keeps producing that energy. Is that, yeah. is that, okay. That's yeah. The, and then, and then the energy is going to change and transform. So like I said, it can start off as maybe a low grade anxiety or depression. And then instead of releasing the energy, which we have beautiful mechanisms for, we've got an expressive face. We've got tear ducts for a reason. We're supposed to express yeah. energy. We're supposed to express emotion and feeling, but we don't because of society, because of family, because of, you know, religions, and it's the suppression on all sides where, you know, we're not really encouraged or even allowed sometimes to express emotion because it makes our parents nervous. It makes our parents uncomfortable, especially if they were never allowed to express those things. Right. And then we get, then we get back into the genetic or the uh, generational aspect wow. of yeah. this, of this equation. Yeah. And going back to, uh, to, to kind of the, my past experiences um you read reading that book uh uh levine's and it, it, it escapes me the title escapes me but it's talking about trauma and mm -hmm. living with trauma and yeah. the idea of uh of crying or shaking or uh you know that kind of fear until it subsides and goes away yeah in general that's not necessarily uh condone you know you don't you're you're thought of as a a wimp or a wussy right. or whereas that's the natural that's the body's natural state to get rid of that excess yeah. energy and it's it's the it's an interesting flip because you know if we're talking about that you know that masculine one of the most powerful things you can ever do as a man is express your emotions yeah or feel your emotions yep because if we're, if we're just pushing stuff down, if we're just you know, trash compacting these negative emotions, expressions, all we're doing is intensifying the dis-ease we're experiencing on the inside, which can present, you know, can present as PTSD uh, triggers. It can present as you know, chronic 
states of illness and disease across the board. So yeah, it's that, and I, I look at, again, going back to that net energy equation. If we have excess energy, the system is going to basically show us check engine lights, which is anxiety, depression, illness, allergies, gastrointestinal disease, high blood pressure, um, you know, heart, uh, heart issues, restless leg syndrome, um, you know, trouble sleeping. All of these things, all of these expressions that our system saying, hey, we got so much energy down here, man, we got to do something about this. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then we get our, what's our answer? Suppress the symptom with pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Or we go to talk therapy, which I mean, I, I, I don't know if I share this. I, I was in uh, talk therapy when I was very young. I was 11 or 12. I had a lot of stuff going on within my childhood. Uh, it was a beautiful introduction into my internal space, into thinking, who is thinking this thought? Where did this thought come from? Where does this feeling come from? Kind of right. pulling back a little bit, getting behind the scenes. But the challenge with talk therapy is we are consciously repeating subconscious patterns. So then what happens is the more we repeat these and we in conversation, and there is most likely a heightened state that's accompanying that, we're informing our system, hey, keep your focus on this thing that I'm talking about, because it's really important to our survival. So, and then we become even more hypervigilant, or we become more sensitive to whatever the thing is, right. because our system is getting the message, hey, this is really important, keep your focus here. That's what, that's what's so fascinating about this whole entanglement theory that everything is connected. Yeah. Not only inside of us, within our family, but we're talking about everything, the earth, everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about that. Is there, is there in, in what you do, is that, does that come into play much or is it more just the individual? Yeah, yes and. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, 100%. Um, I've used the analogy of, you know, it's kind of like a, a Russian nesting doll. Or if you look at it from more of a scientific standpoint, we'd be looking at uh, fractals or something called a Mandelbrot set, which is a repeating uh, geometric pattern all the way down to the minutia and then all the way up to the macro. Um, so our reality starts at the thought level. Our reality starts with our thought the thought goes into the system and creates the conditions to support the thought, whether it's positive or negative. Then our system expresses that thought form energetically. So if our thought is the world's going to hell in a handbasket, there's no, no there, I will never get ahead. Nothing's fair. Um, I'm not loved. No, I, nobody cares about me. Then that's the reality that our system starts to create for us internally at the cellular level. And it's the reality that our system expresses through, uh, through um, frequency and through resonance electromagnetically out into the world. And so you start to see certain groups of people gather together, group together. You hear that, oh, I don't, you know, high vibe. I like high vibe, high resonance yeah. people. There's actually science behind that, where we find our energetic resonance match in others based on our internal states. Hmm. So we, everything starts at the, at the subatomic, at the micro, at the energetic yeah. thought form level, creates whatever we're thinking and feeling internally. So if it's heightened anxiety, if it's just this, oh, I don't know, 
chances are we're going to have some constipation. Chances are we're going to have some high blood pressure. Chances right. are we're going to have all of these different expressions. As opposed to maybe let's say we have a daily breathwork practice where we're disrupting these energies and these thought patterns. We have a practice of self-awareness where we're pulling back from reactivity and getting more into observation. Then we start to change the story. We start to change the thought form and that begins to change our physiology and that begins to change the reality that we experience out in the world. And that's kind of still at the personal level. Let's take it up to a bigger level, societal. All of our individual energies work together to create the energy of the society. So this is where you, you get into different expressions of, oh, well, this isn't the way it is in Europe. Well, this isn't the way it is in the United States. Well, this isn't the way it is in China. Well, this isn't the way it is in Australia. It's because all of the energies of the people in the places create the energy of the place. And we go to different places and we'll feel different things. And then that's our system interacting with these different energetic expressions in different locations around the globe. And is that, is that more than just, uh, you know, a person from New York City driving across the country, drives through Kansas and stops in a bar in Kansas is like, whoa, this is a freak show because these people are not like me. Is that or and, and vice versa, yeah. you know, that that Kansas farmer going to New York for the first time? Yeah, it's it's it is. And the energy of the individual is being shared in the location. OK. And so you, you might. You, and if you I don't know if anybody's had this experience is listening, but you meet someone and you just you get a beat on them. you get an you get a yes or a no. Yeah. Yes, this is someone I want to spend more time with. Or eh, no, I'm good almost immediately. Yeah. That's the vibe. You're picking up on the electromagnetic frequency that they are emitting from their system subconsciously. Hmm. And so we're constantly sharing our electromagnetic yeah. fields. And now, now we're getting into the biology of it because we're also sharing our biome because everything is energy. And we've got naturally occurring bacteria, flora, fauna, and viruses that naturally yeah. occur in our system. And so the more time people spend together, the more time they're, sh they're sharing their electromagnetic signatures and their biome physiology. Dude, you know what's amazing is, is I've, and uh, feel free to use this if, it, if at any time it comes up, but I've coined a phrase and I, and, and I actually may not even know if I did it or not, but the person walks into the room and everybody senses that that, something has changed something's in there and i call it the bow wave she's got a big bow wave yep and that's 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 what we're talking about that's energy that's just 100 yeah 100 it yeah yeah if you if you have that sense of um you know when you you think about like that uh like oh my, you know women have that sixth sense mm -hmm. all of us do we've all got that that's intuition that's that's insight that's inner knowing and we are naturally precognitive as well, physiologically at the quantum level. So they've done another research study where uh, researchers took random uh, images, some very pleasant, some very you know, potentially traumatizing, and they uh, loaded them into a computer. And then they created a computer program to randomize the selection of the images that were shown, whether positive or negative to the subjects. What they recorded where the subjects uh, so basically it was like, you have two levers or two, um, clickers, right. if it's a positive image, you click one. If it's a negative image, you click the other. 
Yeah. And every, they're hooked up. So they've got, uh, you know, brain hookup, pulse oximeter. They're doing all, they're recording everything going on within uh, the, the subject. What they recorded was that at the energetic level, our systems triggered a reaction towards kind of a bracing energetically for the negative or more of a relaxed you know, openness towards the positive, even before the computer selected the image. Really? Yeah. Now we're talking, we're talking milliseconds of before, Yeah. but they, they show this is the spike where the system reacted. And then this later point is when the computer actually selected the image. And the computer was doing the selecting. The researchers had no input on what images were That's being selected. That's amazing. So we've got the, like, we are, we have superhuman capability baked into our physiology off the shelf. And the reason, the only reason we're not more connected to it as individuals and collectively of listening to that intuition of, of being able to rely on that inner compass right. is because of all those layers of conditioning and programming, those sediment layers that got compacted down on top of all these yeah. amazing things we've always had. So then we second guess and we don't trust. Or if we do trust, we trust the reaction. We trust the conditioning because that's what's kept us alive. That's what's kept, you know, yeah. kept us functional. Um, and, and, so it's, it's amazing. And, and I don't know if this is energy or just the natural physiology of the human animal, but mm. what I notice is if, first of all, it's that, it's that crazy reactive thing. If something's about to fall off the table, you, that is, and then there's that, there's that just pulse of crazy in your, you can just feel it in your body. Same way where you're like, okay, this situation is going to get bad. And you, it's like instantaneously, you before you even recognize your body is pumping out crazy endorphins and chemicals to, to deal with that. A hundred percent. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's part of this, you know, getting the hands back on the wheel getting our hands back on the reins of this, of these amazing systems that we're inhabiting. So we can be more self-directed and self-guided in our experiences, as opposed to, you know, what a lot of us feel is like, I have no control over my life, right? You know, outside of myself is chaos. How do I exist in this, in this space? And part of what we train in our, in our uh, transformation courses, and part of what we facilitate in our one-on-one sessions is creating that eye of the storm for ourselves. So no matter what's going on outside or around us, we are sunny and 75 degrees with a light breeze on the inside, because then we're going to be able to more successfully navigate life. We're going to be able to yeah. more successfully be self-directed in where we want to go and what we want to do, as opposed to what we think we need to, we should, or we ought to do based on all kinds of external inputs and influences, parents' desires, what our families have always done, um, you know, what I, I went to this school, so you're going to this school. Yeah. I was a cop, your uncle's a cop, so you're going to be a cop. And really getting back to our own sovereignty in a compassionate, empathetic, accepting, honest, yeah. and balanced way that is really, from my experience, one of the most successful places I've ever operated from. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so this Kevin Russell, 
www.radicalenlightenment.com if you're interested in learning about what they do. It's unbelievable stuff. Um, definitely check it out if uh, if this sounds like it's something that you'd be very interested in. Um, I've got somebody in my life that uh, it's a it's it's kind of a this person is so crazy. I, I call this person crazy just because just as I'm watching them, them interact in the world mm -hmm. and I know their parents and they're almost exactly like their parents and they, they, it's almost like they can't even get out of their own way. Yeah. And, 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 and because of that, they're in this just negative feedback loop. So yeah. What do you, what are some of the things, the techniques and what are some of the things that you do to try to help people, you know, get out of that loop? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a couple, a couple of things we can do right off the bat um, that will shift you almost instantaneously into a more neutral state. Uh, and these are, these are disruptions and we can do that with crossing the midline of the body. So the midline, so we are just like, if you've ever seen a, a diagram or an illustration of the earth's electromagnetic field where it comes out of the poles and goes back into the poles. Right. Our electromagnetic system is almost identical. We have electromagnetic field goes up and out of our crown and under and up through the midline of the body. Now we also have a second electromagnetic field around our heart, which is more torus shaped, which is like a donut shape. Okay. And it's cycling energy in a donut form around our system as well. So if we break the midline of the body, we're disrupting whatever resonance and frequency is currently going on. And for most of us, it's some low grade state of fight, flight, freeze. And it can be, could be a heightened expression of fight, flight, freeze if there's, a, if there's that PTSD kind of triggered reaction. Right. So that's, that's one, break the midline of the body. And there's brain gym exercises that we can do that. One of my favorite ways to disrupt these, these patterns is using our breath. There's something that I call a disruption breath. And if you do this breath for one minute, uh, I can, we can share links uh, in the uh, episode notes uh, to uh, a, a nine minute guided disruption where it, it'll, get you out of, uh, it'll get you out of anxiety, it'll get you out of stress response in nine minutes. Mm. And you're gonna feel like you're, you're sitting on sunshine. And to do this, it's I do three short inhalations through the nose and one long exhalation through the mouth, like we're squeezing a bellows or we're trying to blow a candle out on the opposite side of the room. So it goes. And you do that for nine minutes? One minute. Oh, one minute. So that, okay, that, so that one's just one minute. Yeah, gotcha. so it's a 60 second breath. That's gonna shift you out of it really quickly. Um, the other thing we do so yeah, actually, let's just let's just do twenty seconds real quick together. All right, all right. See how it goes. I I got a I got a. Okay. I want to. I wanna... Yeah, I got a timer. Give me one second. Yep. All right. So we're only going to go twenty seconds. All right. So three in, three quick in, one big out. Yeah. Okay. Almost like the like your ribs or the bellows, and we're squeezing all that air out. Okay. All right. So so three in, one out. Go 20 seconds and begin.
Last one. So did you feel anything in those 20 seconds? Well, I definitely feel almost lightheaded right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel buzzing in like uh, kind of the base of my head. Yep. And I'm, I'm, my, my temperature definitely increased, obviously. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so the immediate byproduct of that vigorous practice is um, exactly that. It can be, you might get tingles at the base of your head. You might get tingles up and over your crown, a hot or a cold flush throughout your entire body. Yeah. Uh, if you go for the minute, then you start to get tingles in your arms, in your feet, perhaps. So what we're doing is we're creating a, uh, basically a, a hypoxic state within the system. We're flooding the system with oxygen. We're expelling more, more carbon dioxide, which creates an oxygen-rich environment. So... Now, on the heels of that, and I know we're, we're in an engaged conscious conversation, so this might not be the case, but are you feeling any more clear or balanced in your mind? Maybe a little bit more peaceful or calm, not quite as much mental chatter going on. The, the first thing that comes to my mind is it almost feels a little bit like uh, more tunnel-like things yeah. have just become more more focused in on so yeah. that that's the that's the that's the gut yeah. reaction of what, what just happened so we're creating more presence in our experience in the yeah. present moment instead of kind of you know sometimes people have said it feels like i just you know blew the clouds out i blew the fog out and i can see more clearly yeah some people say oh my gosh the the, the lights got a little brighter colors got a little richer i, I just came right into the here and now yeah and that's really it. When your, your friend you spoke of is repeating these patterns, they are not in their conscious mind. They are not in their prefrontal cortex. They've been dumped into the limbic system and they're having fight, flight, freeze reactions and they're defaulting to the program behaviors. So any of these disruptions are disrupting that expression. Yeah. Bringing us back to a, a whole brain state where we can be much more conscious in life in the moment. Now that's kind of the that's kind of a, a what we can do on our own approach. How do I? Oh, I'm I'm anxious. I'm nervous. I'm I'm just you know feel like I'm redlining. Like I'm too close to the situation. Right. Cross the midline of the body. Do some quick breathing for 60 seconds. You're going to change your entire perception of your of what you're experiencing. The next step in a session is we look at what those programs are. We look at what beliefs that have become embedded that are strong and resonant within the subconscious system, if they're actually supporting our best and highest good, if they're supporting what we really want out of life. Because a lot of times we will have negative beliefs be strong within the subconscious system because it's a survival mechanism. It's a survival yeah. reaction. Right. And so we can actively rewrite those programs for the positive, erase that file. If we're looking at it from a computer standpoint, we erase the malware or we erase the old expression of the software right. and we put a new patch on it. Um, the other thing we do in session is we can identify places in life that we've kind of broken from ourselves. There's been a, a schism between ourselves at a certain age and what we're currently experiencing. And this, uh, is, you can refer to this as parts work. Um, with a lot of this, sometimes there, there's another uh, practice called family constellation which looks at uh, generational issues. It looks at uh, ancestral 
energy that, that's impacting us currently. And we utilize all these different tools to create a more resonant, balanced, and positively oriented supercomputer at the subconscious level. And then we start accelerating towards what we do want instead of being hyper-focused on what we don't want. Right. Because that's how so many of us go through life. Yeah. Is if we focus on the negative, it's going to be hard to get out of that negative expression because we're gearing a lot of our energy towards identification of danger, identification yeah. of you know, things that could go wrong instead of this is where some, you know, maybe a belief comes in. Uh, a, a trainer and a coach I had said, uh, had the great line, sometimes you need to uh, jump and then build your wings on the way down. So yeah. belief in self, belief in the process, trust in, in our intuition and in our inner knowing and in our, yeah. um, our, our inspiration. And sometimes I like to use, go a little bit more colloquial and, you know, get into the blue range. And I say, sometimes you just need to chuck it in the effort bucket and do it anyway, because our system's only going to show us enough fear or scarcity or whatever the negative is to keep us kind of contained, to keep us safe. But as soon as we challenge that barrier internally, and we can do this through thought, and this is a, a big success that I've had is if my system throws up a, no, you shouldn't do that. You can't do that. What are you even thinking? Oh, you're going to be laughed you're at, you're going to be ridiculed. Or um, even if it's something more negative, like, well, what if, you know, what if you lose your job? What if your yeah. partner cheats on you? What if, what if, what if? Yeah. Our system is only going to float the question. It's not going to take it to the outcome. So if in our mind space, we pick up that negative thought and we challenge our system and they say, oh yeah, what if your partner leaves you? And then we double down on it that can also extinguish that pattern as well. To your point, then our system's like, whoa, man, you're crazy. So if we take that example, like, all right, what if my partner cheats on me? And what if uh, they go and they end up uh, uh, creating a sex cult in Saskatchewan, and then they turn into this mega church and that, you know, really let ourselves get ridiculous in our imagination and in our thought space, which pushes our experience beyond the boundaries that our subconscious sets for us. And then our subconscious goes, oh, I guess you got this one. Okay, cool. We'll stop running this program so much. Dang, chill, chill, bro. You're getting kind of scary over there with your thoughts. But that's the safe place to do it. It's in our thoughts. We yeah. can extinguish a lot of these fears, a lot of these programs and patterns just through awareness and redirection. Yeah, and, and that's actually something fascinating. Um, over the last couple of years, I've talked to somebody and the way my takeaway from it was the you've got a little boy in my case a little boy who's scared of the world around him then you got the guy who's done all the stuff that i've done in my life who's very confident and the little boy every once in a while gets he's like okay i'm in charge now and i'm scared shitless whereas yeah the big guy should be like okay we got this you just you just go be be a little boy don't worry about it anymore that to me was a fascinating analogy and that is such a beautiful relationship to cultivate within us yeah and so one of the things but that that's not, people, that's not a natural thing to do. That's no, a, no, yeah. it will be, because we don't recognize it. Right. We don't, exactly. we don't recognize the difference. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, you look at, you look at these, these Titans of industry or these, you know, athletes who have achieved and accomplished so many things. And um, I can't remember who it was. Um, but the comment was like, Oh, I can't believe you don't, I can't believe you're not afraid anymore. I can't believe you don't get nervous going on stage. Yeah. 
And it's like, oh no, I get nervous every single time. I just have created a different relationship with it. Yeah. And so to your point, we can, uh, two most successful avenues of creating those relationships that I've found is either through humor or through empathy. And the, the expression or the, uh, the approach that you describe, I look at that as empathy, okay. where we get it, we take a snapshot, even if it's us going back and looking through old, fo old photo albums. And so we have a really indelible, really high def image of us as a young child, us as a, a little kid. Um, my image, I'm happy to share. I've shared it with, our, with groups that we've run. I, my parents took this picture of me when I was little, and this is early 80s. And so I had cowboy boots on, I had Superman underoos, and I think I had the cape with a fireman's hat and a flashlight. And I don't know what I was doing, but I just have this like this innocent, just kind of like the world is your oyster. You can do absolutely anything yeah. image of myself. So if I ever get those kind of like, oh man, you can't, you shouldn't, you know, yeah. we can shift into empathy and like, oh, little buddy, little Kev or little Brian in this example, in this example, we got this. I got this. We can yeah. do this. Yeah. The other, the other way we can do it is through humor. Uh, and there's a great practitioner. I think he's based out of LA. His name's Sadi Simone. Uh, and he's a fabulous guy. And he labels his inner voice or negative self-talk, Bianca. And she's sassy and she loves Sunday brunch. She's kind of judgmental. And so we can, you know, empathy, embrace that inner child. Yeah. If it's, if it's humor, keep Bianca in check. You know, she's not running the show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. you know, or, or Kyle, or, you know, I don't want to throw any, any specific names under yeah. the bus or what, but what, again, this is that hyper-personal relationship with us on our internal playing field and the internal space. And that's where creation happens. That's where, that's where really successful living comes from is living inside out as opposed to outside in, which yeah. is unfortunately the state that most of us live in. Yeah. And that's a, and that's a, that's a very hard thing to switch. And it takes a long time. And, and that's why I call this a practice. Yeah. We're just here practicing. Yeah. We're here yeah. practicing all of these things because it, it, you know, when we start pulling these new tools, we onboard these new, these new awarenesses or these new things we're paying attention to. Yeah. One, it trends towards, oh my gosh, this is happening all the time. And I've experienced this when we've gotten a new car where you get a car and then you start to see that model everywhere. Yeah. So something comes into your field of awareness and then you start to see really how often it happens. And so these are daily practices. There is some diligence to this. And there's also some release or relief to this as well, because if we're always hypervigilant, we're going to get burnt out. Yeah. So it's a balance of, of that inner awareness, but also that self-care. So what are we doing to balance our things? We can't just always be on high alert for what's going on, on the inside. That's a miserable experience. But the more we practice, the easier things get. The more we practice, the more we're utilizing these tools all the time, instead of having to consciously think, oh, wait, what did they say? Oh, yeah, okay, use, use the humor, okay. Then we just start to have these things become yeah. part of our experience. But yeah, it definitely takes time. Yeah. Um, but it only takes as much time as we think it will take. If we are under the impression, or if we have the belief, I can change this like that. I can do. I can do all this in six weeks. Right. Then that will most likely be the experience that we have. If we have the uh, the expression, oh my gosh, it's I've built all this up over my entire lifetime. It's going to take a lifetime to get through all this. That's the internal belief. Remember the thought form that creates our reality. So informing our system, this is going to take a long time. Instead of informing our system, no. I am a powerful, energetic creator 
that lives within this amazing quantum bio machine. I can do anything and I can change my reality in an instant. Two completely different experiences just based on how we're approaching the equation. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we go any further, that, that costume that your little buddy wears yeah. would be an awesome Halloween costume. I should revisit that. Seriously, you know, I, cowboy boots, Superman outfit, and a yeah. fireman's hat and a flashlight. And you would freak people out. They'd be like, what the hell's going on? That would be hilarious, I'm, actually. I might have to pull that out this year. I, and I think I did see somewhere that they have adult uh, adult underoos now. That would so be So I could very well find find the exact outfit. What are you? I love it. I'm my uh, my inner little kid. Uh, oh, my gosh. Boom. I think I think we might be pulling that one out this year. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Radicalenlightenment.com, Kevin Russell. Great stuff. Um, if anything of uh, that we've been talking about right now resonates with you or you're interested in learning more about it, please check it out and uh, get in touch with Kevin if, uh, if um, you want to talk more about it. So why I felt like I wanted to reach out to you. I was reading this book called The Lost Secrets of the Sacred Ark. Mm. Uh, it's essentially... Uh, the, the author Lawrence Gardner is uh, he's dead now he died I think four or five years ago but he's uh, he was a researcher kind of ancient civilization type research and one of the things that blew me away about what he was saying about the Ark of the Covenant yeah. was real quick this is 30 seconds and then we'll get into the whole quantum physics behind it and the quantum theory that I was that immediately made me think of you so Moses takes the Israelites out of Egypt. They stop, they spend 40 years in the desert. They make a trip to the Sinai. They, he goes up to Mount Morat, I believe is the top of the mountain where there's fire and there's brimstone. And while he's up there, they're down. They create a bull out of gold and worship that as their idol. He comes back down. He's pissed. He burns the idol and the idol basically turns to a white powdery substance. He goes way into the, the, the chemistry of that. Um, and then he goes into, there's a, uh, an archeological site on the top of the mountain where supposedly Moses was, and it was an old ancient Egyptian temple up there. But okay. as it turns out, these archeologists think that it actually could be, could have been some kind of a laboratory because they found this white, almost like talcum powder substance in some of these rooms up there. Yeah. Bottom line is the ability to break down uh, um, gold, palladium, yeah. all these sorts of metals from the, from the periodic tables down to a substance uh, that is essentially lighter than itself. They go, they go way into it. And, and I'm yeah. way too dumb to explain <laughs> that more. Bottom line is, he was essentially saying that the arc was essentially a superconductor. Mm, okay. Because, uh, and, and I sent you a couple of pages about uh, yeah. in the late eighties, there was a guy that did a bunch of experiments about this. And it actually turned out that they were taking a physical substance and turning it into negative weight. Okay. Yeah. Like it, like you do, you boil it to a certain degree, certain temperature and the way it loses half its weight then you boil it even further and then it becomes zero. So yeah. essentially, they, essentially what he was getting at was potential levitation. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the, the 
the, the quantum physics of this whole concept was the ability to basically um, compress time and space. Yep. So a physical becomes non-physical, but it doesn't disappear. It just goes somewhere else. Yep. And it's a, fa a phase shift. Back. Yeah. And then, and then he starts talking about that that is what the future, potentially the future of space travel is. You know, Star Trek had the, the, the time warp or whatever mm -hmm. it was. And so this whole idea of things that are, inter everything's interconnected. You can, it can go from one dimension to another dimension, all these sorts of crazy things. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. And, yeah. and that's, what, that's what quantum theory, I, I, I guess, quantum physics is all about. And how does quantum entanglement, I mean, What's your, what's your take on this? I know I only sent you a couple of pages of it, but yeah. I found it fascinating because you get something physical, some form of energy that goes away mm -hmm. at, at a certain temperature or whatever, and then it's able to come back. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so a couple of things right off the bat. Uh, the first is, um, and I'm not sure if this is, theoretical, it, and I'm not quite sure if Nikola Tesla had, had a, a hand in, in the information, but if you look at uh, major pyramids around the globe, so the Great Pyramids in Egypt, Angkor Wat in Southeast Asia, there are pyramids uh, in, in Mexico, I think the Yucatan Peninsula. So if you take all of these monumental pyramids around the globe and you draw a line, they are all lined up. They're all they're 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 in what looks to be a pattern, and if you take the distance from point A to point B, and then point A to point C, and then point A to point D, and then you take the diameter from point A to point D, it's all based on the golden ratio, one point three one two on and on and on and on. Yeah. So, to me that suggests that there is extreme intelligence in engineering and understanding beyond the scope that we currently are, exp are expressing in our civilization that may have been present on this planet. Within this pyramid system, they're also theorizing that each pyramid was capped with, it might've been gold, it's, it was something very conductive. And then what they're discovering under um, the pyramids in Egypt are pools, not of water, it's pools of something. I can't remember what the substance is. But basically, we have enough ambient energy in the atmosphere, electrostatic energy, that we can focus and pull that in with lightning strikes in these massive pyramids to these conductive things to power an entire globe with electricity, yeah. naturally, ambiently, without fossil fuel extraction. So that's the one thing about the pyramids that I just, I'll, I'll send you the information I've got on that. Yeah, no, I'd love to see it. The other thing where we're talking about anti-gravity, it's not going to be anti-gravity. It's going to be a frequency and resonance match that creates the perception of levitation and anti-gravity. So if we had the capacity to match the, the frequency and resonance of the ambient space around us, theoretically, we would match that frequency so yeah. we could levitate you know, for, for using uh, kind of colloquial terms. So 
we uh, humans and I'm I'm extrapolating within the next hundred years, closer like the next fifty, we will figure that out at a vehicle level that we will be able to then pilot. Yeah. Um, now when we're talking about quantum entanglement and superposition, uh, a photon of light on its way to Earth touches every atom it passes and remains oriented to that atom, no matter how far in distance it travels. So everything is in contact with everything else and nothing is necessarily material or solid because if we go down to that atomic level, there is massive space in atoms and between atoms. Yeah. And so if you touch somebody else's hand, go palm to palm, and you feel that physical touch, you're actually at the microscopic level, at the subatomic level, you're not touching. There's space in between. Because we are made up of physical, but yeah. physical is energy. So we break it all down. So if you've ever had a thought about a friend uh, that you haven't talked to in a while, yeah. And you maybe loop, you have the thought, I haven't talked to them in a while. I want to I reach out, I want to touch base. And then we kind of let the thought fades. Maybe you have another one that week or a couple yeah. that week. The next thing you know, that friend reaches out yeah. or you know, some, either you run into them somewhere or they call yeah. or they DM you. That's quantum entanglement. And that shit is mind blowing, dude. <laughs> and now like, we're getting into remote viewing. Yeah. And now we're getting into things that the CIA and the government's known and has been documented for, yeah. for the majority of the 20th century that we can all do. This is astral projection. This is astral travel. So this amazing structure that we call the brain is really closer to Grand Central Station. Yeah. And that thoughts come and go. They pass through. We choose what we want to hold on to or not. And a lot of times we aren't consciously choosing, we're reactively choosing what we hold on to for safety, playing and protection. And we can actually travel through our mind to other places on the earth and get very specific. They did, um, they did uh, uh, research around uh, remote viewing and they would give coordinates to a remote viewer and they wouldn't tell the person anything about what the location was. And then they would start to sketch what they were seeing in their mind's eye. And this one uh, that I'm talking about was a jungle. And it was like a clear uh, path, almost looked like a highway, but it stopped. It, was, it didn't go on. And then there was a body of water. And the, the remote viewer sketched out this, uh, this image or this kind of you know, quick drawing of jungle with a strip of clear that did not exceed, he thought it was a freeway or it looked like multi-lanes in his mind's eye. And there was a body of water and he sketched it out. And then they did, uh, and all he had to go off of was the coordinates, the longitude latitude coordinates. Then they send a recon plane, one of those high level spy planes and they snap pictures of this location. And what they thought was there, which was confirmed on the recon uh, photos which was initiated through the remote viewing was this was a secret airstrip. And it was either in Africa or in Russia. I can't, this was during the Cold War. And so they found that they, he saw exactly what they ended up confirming through, through photographic evidence. And so we have this capability. This is all, this is all quantum. This is all, all energy manipulation, energy connection, and um, energy utilization. So, so what is it then? So like some people can see ghosts. Mm -hmm. I have never seen one. 
what is the difference? Usually it's um, expansion and exposure. So if we don't believe X, Y, and Z, chances are we're not going to experience much of that because that's the program we're running. Yeah. If we're open to it, but we're not pursuing it, you're somewhere in the middle, maybe 50-50. If you're actively engaged in either inquiry or exploration or whatever your proclivity is, chances are you're going to be seeing, hearing, feeling, sensing more of the thing that you're going towards. Yeah. Um, so for me, my example, I, I, never, I never disbelieved in ghosts. I was just like, yeah, I mean, sure, probably. I mean, I yeah. watched Scooby-Doo when I was little. Most times it's Farmer <laughs> Jenkins or somebody like that. Right. But you know, it's like at the same time, it's like, yeah, it could be. And I had an experience in a place that I lived where I felt some energy. Um, one time we were getting ready to go out to a concert. We were hanging out on a deck and there was a gravel walkway with a little um, like knee-high gate to the property. And there was three or four of us sitting on the, on the table on the deck and we're just engaged. And it was, uh, there's a, you know, kind of a cliff uh, on the beach and we were watching the sun or no, it was, just, it was dark, sun already set. And we hear footsteps coming up the gravel, the gate opening and closing and footsteps coming up the gravel on the inside. And all of us turn and there's nothing there. Wow. And we all got that chill down the back of the spine. Like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Uh, there's another time I was inside the house uh, late at night. I'd gotten off work. I was watching a movie and the door to the hallway, which didn't have any issues with, you know, can't, you know, it didn't close automatically by itself. It was pretty plumb. It slowly, it didn't latch, but it closed to where the latch is touching. And I, I was watching the entire thing happen. So I was like, okay. So I got up and I gently pushed it back open, went back and sat down on the couch. Yeah. And then it happens again. And I just, at this point, I just straight up out loud. I was like, Hey, if there's any energy here, I wish you no ill will. I'm just renting a room here. And then those kind of things subsided. So it's not that I was a believer, but I wasn't, I was hedging my bets. I was like, Hey, if something is there, I just want, I just want, you to know, I'm cool. I'm not, I don't mean to, you know, I'm not getting in your space or anything. I'm just renting a room. It's all good. Yeah. The other one I had was when I started to accelerate my own journey and I ran into this wall of ancestral energy and my, the way that this expressed through me or for me was my symptoms, my old symptoms. So I had, like I mentioned, I had allergies when I was little, a lot of gastrointestinal distress. Um, by this time as an adult, I was dealing with high blood pressure, maybe prehypertension. And I had been working on myself diligently and these symptoms were really disappearing. They, they were, I wasn't, you know, instead of every day, it was like every few days, something would flare up and it was maybe every week. And then it really was just this calm, kind of smooth sailing for a while. And we actually took a trip to Europe and all of these symptoms started to flare back up. And I'm like, what's going on? Is it the stress of travel? What? And so I'm doing my inquiry and it turns out that it's ancestral, it was ancestral energy. And as soon as I came to the understanding or awareness or recognition that that's what it was, I started to be flooded with all of these memories or scenes or visions of rural Ireland in like the 17 and 1800s really? and British soldiers. Oh man, to the extent where I was smelling what the local jail smelt like, because wow. one of my ancestors was in this kind of dank, 
stone prison and I could smell the metallic kind of tang of, yeah. of the air. There was another one where I got dropped into this scene in a like a, a, a small cottage or an earthen house and I could smell the fire in the fireplace. I could smell the, the, the dirt on the floor. I could smell the herbs drying. Um, it was, I mean, it was like getting dropped into, it was almost wow. like quantum leap in a way. If any, yeah. I'm, aging, I'm aging myself a little bit, but if anybody remembers quantum leap. Oh yeah, that was a great show. In my own mind, sitting on the, the, the sitting on a, a, a balcony in, uh, in Mykonos, Greece, I'm, I'm being dropped into these imaginings or rememberings or whatever you want to label them yeah. to rural Ireland a couple hundred years ago. And seeing in my mind what was the the trigger for these emotional states right that got embedded in my lineage that then got passed down and like i said earlier when i targeted it was that 17 18 generations back which from my personal experience was kind of the the, the nucleus of a lot of things um so yeah it's i mean you know this is a within the last couple of years journey for me as far as you know exposure yeah. or willingness to to consider these things and it's been it's been wild and amazing um you know the the people i've worked with the energies i've helped to transform or release or to um to to, to reduce and it's just come from a place of oh this is what's going on for me and a lot of times with things going on, we tend to bake in our beliefs into them. Yeah. So this can feel like an oppression or sometimes my, people might say, oh, there's dark energy. All of it, all it is, is energy. And we filter through our belief system yeah. what that is to us, which then creates, it can create boogeymen, it can create monsters, it can create devils, yeah. where it's just energy that's been absence of love for a certain amount of time that's creating all of this dis-ease yeah. that it's experiencing. So Tony Robbins says this a lot, but it's, mm -hmm. it goes back further. It's a, it's a stoic concept. And that is all events are neutral. It's just your perception of them makes them good or bad. And then that's what, that's what it is. And then that's in your, in your mindset. Yep. And now that I know that, and I, I try to, portray that onto the experiences that I have in my life. It, it, there's a weird, there's a very weird feeling that I get mm. when I, when I tell myself, you try to be an objective observer to what's going on, even with you try to be an objective, objective observer. And you, my, my inner monologue is telling me that if I do that, I'm not me. Mm. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, so it's very, it's very weird. And then, and that, that's one of the things I'm working very hard at is hey, yeah. it's going to happen. Just let it happen. Yeah. Don't, don't project onto it. Yeah. And it's, I, it's fascinating. That's that's one of my, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of stoicism and I think that's a, a brilliant, um, you know, a, a brilliant way to, it's a, it's a beautiful tool for the toolbox. It's a beautiful perspective that we can utilize in life. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Have you heard the, uh, the story of the farmer, uh, Alan no. Watts, I originally heard this story from an Alan Watts recording and his, his, uh, delivery is from a Chinese farmer, but, uh, so there's a farmer and he's got, uh, he's got two horses and there's a storm 
and uh, the, the fencing to the enclosure gets knocked down. So the horses escape and the village comes out and says, oh, what bad luck. How will you plow your fields? How will you provide for your family? And the farmer says, eh, maybe. And then the week after, the horses come back, this time leading a pack of wild horses back to the paddock. So his two have now increased to 12. So he's got an entire herd. The entire village comes out. Oh, what blessings, what good fortune. You will be you, you're bountiful for, for generations. The farmer says, maybe. The week after that, his son, his eldest son, is, uh, is uh, training and breaking these horses. He gets bucked off. He breaks his arm. Oh, what bad fortune, what bad luck. Your oldest son won't be able to participate in the harvest. How will you provide this season? Maybe. The week after the king's guard come, to, to come to conscribe all of the uh, firstborn males for service in the king's army. Yeah. Son can't go because he's broken his arm. So it's this neutrality that is yeah. a, a beautiful place. It's the middle way. If we, stay, if we find the middle way and find the middle way more often, we'll be able to more effectively experience the high highs yeah. and the low lows without getting stuck at either spot in depression or anxiety or manic yeah. state. Yeah. So the practice for that for me is one, it's hard to practice that if we are in a reactionary limbic state. Yeah. So disrupt and get balanced. So we, we talked about some different ways to do that, either with breath work or breaking the midline of the, for, of the physical body. And then try again, check it out one more time from that new balanced brain, prefrontal cortex, conscious mind state. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the place of, that we practice from. We practice from that whole brain state. And in the practice, we become more aware of when we're out of that state. We can become more aware and we start spending more time in the whole brain state, less time in the reactive limbic state when we're dumped into our dominant hemisphere. We're either more uh, analytical or more emotional you know, if we're left or right brain dominant, um, which gives us more opportunity. Hmm. Um, but it, it 100% is a practice. And that voice who's like, this isn't you, that's most likely your safety programs hitting it, overdrive. It's fear. It's the fear of, yeah. yeah. And now we're, now we're getting back into the disparity between the systems. And this is why even with practice, there's still this like almost yeah. feels like a dominant energy. Yeah. It's because the subconscious processes information at 20 million bits per second. Yeah. Our conscious mind processes information at 40 bits per second. And so we're, we're up, it's, it's like a supercomputer up against a calculator. Yeah. And so that's why we, you know, we, we, we staff our weaknesses and we bring in those helpers, whether it's in the form of daily practices, daily awareness practices, daily disruption practices, or you seek out a practitioner for that kind of, you know, bring the car into the shop is what I like to say, bring, come in for a tune up, get dialed in. And then anytime I work with an individual, there's an action plan afterwards. Because if we beat the hell out of our car and we aim for every pothole and we get chips and dents and we go and we take it in, we get it detailed, we get it dialed in, and then we go back out and have the same driving behavior, the same behaviors in life, chances are we're going to accumulate more of the same stuff that we've been accumulating. Right. Right. But if we get ourselves set up and dialed in, in that you know, tune-up setting, and then we incorporate plan of action to maintain that state, we're going to be much more successful of the, uh, have more have much more successful of an outcome but again a lot of this can be like turning a battleship where we make the change we shift instantaneously at the subconscious at the energetic level and then it can take more time to express itself out in life because you turn that wheel on the battleship but then you're dealing with 
hundreds of thousands of tons of, of ship. Yeah. So the actual course correction takes seemingly longer than just turning the wheel. So that's why some, sometimes we get, you know, we'll, we'll get overwhelmed or we'll get just like, oh, this sucks. This isn't working because we're not seeing that one-to-one kind of reaction response right. or that gratification yeah. because that's what we've been conditioned to expect. Yeah. We've been conditioned to expect the quick, easy, simple, but quick and easy is never very simple. Yeah. You know, look at where we've gotten to with our, our food in the United States. You know, the 50s were, 1950s were this boon of, of economy and effortlessness and everything done for you and automation. And what it got us was uh, nutrient depleted frozen dinners that generations were raised on. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the quick and the, the easy isn't always the best for us. Totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. And, uh, and, getting back and taking a step back and just really thinking about what you're thinking and why you're thinking it, all those sorts of things, I think yeah. are, uh, they seem to be missing in our modern world. And if anybody's interested in a more DIY kind of dip your toe into this stuff, uh, we actually just created and released a personalized self-transformation meditation. And you basically choose your perfect spot in nature, whether you're going towards land or towards water. And then you get a little bit more detailed with what your perfect place is. So we created eight meditations for wherever you are most happy in nature, right. forest, mountain, grassland or tundra, desert or canyon, ocean or beach, lake, river or waterfall. So wherever your ideal place is that you choose that one and then it's a, a recorded meditation and I guide you through the disruption, the balancing process, and then guide you through self-inquiry so we can start releasing some of this energetic excess that we've been holding on to. Yeah. And so it's a guided transformation that anybody can do on their own. And that and was good. Yeah. Can you find that at radicalenlightenment.com? Radicalenlightenment.com. It's the, the, you just scroll down the second section there on the homepage. You click in, you choose land or water, you choose your perfect spot, and then you get the meditation okay. emailed to you. Yeah. Um, and so that's really a way that you can, you can get firsthand for yourself. One, I guide you through that process of disruption. So you're going to feel less stressed, less anxious within that first kind of 15, 20 minutes of the recording. And then we get into the guided self-transformation and it guides you to have to create that conversation with yourself. And this is, this is kind of the, the crux of my entire, the, everything I'm doing right now is every single one of us can do this. I'm just some guy who's a happy designer who was also interested in kind of getting better for myself. Right. And I stumbled into all these practices. Every single one of us can do this transformation work for ourselves. And that's really where I guide and lead people towards that self-empowerment of everybody can do this. Yeah. It's just reinforcing that, that relationship that's always been there, tapping back into that insight and that intuition and that inner knowing, and then being open to riding the waves of whatever arises, whether it's an emotional or thought or memory, yeah. ride the wave to release it. And you can do it all in 40 minutes. And I love how early you described it as uh, to regain the sovereign individual. Yeah, that's, that's really it. it, it I mean, talk about ultimate radical freedom. Yeah. That's what these processes do. Yeah. It leads us from self-awareness to self-recognition to self-reliance to self-awareness 
oh, sorry, that was the first one, to um, self-direction, to self-realization, and then we get to freedom. And that, yeah. that's really it. It's, re, it's returning to our innate sovereignty that's always been there. And if every single one of us was to do this work and return to that innate sovereignty, say we all did that right now, tomorrow, there would be no war, there would be no famine, there would be no scarcity, everything would be figure outable. Everything is figure outable. Everything would be figured out because we're, we'd be that much more open and aware and have the knowledge of myself in you, of seeing myself in my neighbor, seeing myself in my friend, even seeing myself in my perceived enemy, going back to those things. The thing isn't anything. It's the label that we place on it that creates the energy around it. So we remove the labels. We move past all that. We come back to our wholeness and then everybody has a great time. I'll tell you what, dude, this is awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is radicalenlightenment.com, Kevin Russell. Uh, great talking to you, brother. Thanks for watching Rain Man's Take, observations on the world we live in. If you like the content, don't forget to hit the subscribe button below. You can also follow Rain Man's Take on Instagram at Rain Man's Take. Also, check out our website at www.rainmanstakepodcast.com and send your comments to rainmanstake at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for future podcasts, which will be coming out every Thursday at 5 p.m. West Coast time.